Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Our guest today is George Matthews, Jr. Welcome, George. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm glad you are. George is a semi-retired concrete contractor and the author of the autobiographical book, A Walk with the Living God. To be honest, George, I was a little traumatized by the reading of this book. So listeners, let me caution you. If you have young children who are listening, you might want to read direct their attention or listen to this podcast when they're not around. And if you have teenagers, make them listen. You'll be happy to know that this story takes a surprising and happy turn, uh, which is so inspiring. And that's why I've invited George to be on our show today. He's married to Pamela, and together they have eight children and two grandchildren. George is a survivor of severe childhood trauma. And George, you became adaptable, resourceful, quick on your feet, and you learned to size up people pretty quickly. That's how I see you. How do you see yourself? That's pretty accurate. Uh, I had to learn early uh, how to read people. Uh, and I think that was God's gift of discernment early on to protect me uh, because uh, my father uh, took me in a lot of places that uh, first no one should have been, but uh, mm-hmm. I could have been uh, uh, abused more severely, I guess you would say, uh, in those places. And uh, I uh, read people and looked beyond what they were saying as to their motives. And this saved me. It, It allowed me to escape probably many situations in life that, uh, could have been more harmful than it was in life. I think that you're really blessed to have been able to develop, as you call it, discernment, to know the difference between what people said and what they meant. I didn't always know that. And taking people at face of value has not always turned out to be the best uh, course of action um, and has left me vulnerable to a lot of hurt. So I am glad that you were able to develop that. I know that you earned that uh, through a really difficult path. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell me... um, how you developed those traits, and um, how you became a survivor. You had a lot of things to overcome. Uh, my father uh, was very abusive. He, he was what I called a part-time alcoholic starting earlier in life. He would only drink uh, two, maybe three times a year, but it would be a continuous binge for 24-7 for maybe two weeks. Uh, it progressively got worse over the years. Uh, but. It, he uh, was fairly, uh, not fairly, I should say, he, he, he was just uh, enjoyed uh, the mental trauma he inflicted on you as well as the physical trauma in uh, the book. Uh, and I don't want to get, like you said, too graphic here, but, you know, he tied me to the bedpost and... Uh, when I could no longer stand the beatings and would rip the ropes loose or whatever, uh, you know, then he threatened to chain me to the bedpost and uh, took some 
fairly severe. As I, in the first chapter of the book, I talk about uh, my earliest memory. Uh, he was stomping me in the head uh, when I was about two years old, uh, trying to get at my older brother, I think, uh, that my mother had before she married him. And uh, matter of fact, I still have the scar right there uh, from that. Wow, it's amazing that you survived that. Um, And there were other instances, and again, not just directed at you, but directed at pretty much anybody. So your siblings, your mom. Yes. Yes. Um, which is uh, which has got to be a challenge too, because I've heard other abuse survivors say I could take it, but I couldn't take it when they hurt somebody that I loved or hurt my pet. Um, you know, I figured out maybe I could defend myself, or I if I just behaved better or differently, maybe I could avoid it. But you can't always protect the other people and the other things that you love, and so that that's a hard way to grow up. Um, and as a result of that feeling of rejection from your father, you made some other choices that um, made life difficult for you. Talk a little bit about those. Well, I, I learned early on to be a survivor. And from probably eight years old on, I, I sort of went on my own uh, and uh, took many adventures that uh the way I provided for myself was stealing something, you know, whatever I could, where, wherever the opportunity opened up. Uh, sometimes it was food uh, because I was away from home and uh, there wasn't very many fast food places back in the day. And uh, so, you know, I, I would steal to eat and uh, uh, ended up um because of one of his abusive attacks who uh, hit me in the back of the head with a, uh, a long piece of oak flooring uh, that once it was made public, uh, I was put in an orphanage. My siblings were taken away and put in an orphanage, which I escaped from. Uh, and uh, that's all documented in the book. And uh, uh, it was a, 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 a theft, a lie, whatever it took to survive. Uh, didn't matter to who or how big a lie or whatever. Uh, but that's the way I survived. You, you learn to, whatever it took to survive, whether it was steal, lie, uh, hide under the house. Uh, our house was on blocks and uh, sometime when my mother was gone and he would start drinking, uh, you know, I would have to hide under the house for protection. Was there ever a time you felt safe or was there ever a person with whom you felt safe? Uh, no, maybe, maybe with my mother, uh, if we were away from him, uh, you felt a little relief for a while, but it was, uh, I know it wasn't daily. It it seemed like that, but uh, uh, I used to, as I was riding my bike home from school, rather than looking at birds and trees and things that other kids look at or, you know, stop by a baseball field and play, uh, I would wonder what I was going to get beat for today. What did I not do right? 
and regardless of how well you did it, uh, there would always be something uh, that was not done to his uh, expectations. That had to be a huge challenge to never know what to expect and to just have so much insecurity. How in the world did you become a good father? Oh, my gosh. By the power of the Holy Spirit, number one, uh, God's uh, ever-changing, cleansing. uh, I've always told my children as they uh, pick someone to date, there's a long way between salvation and sanctification. And uh, it was it was with me, but I had a, a good start. I I read the word. Uh, I, I made a vow to the Lord early on, and I didn't realize at the time. You don't make a vow to the Lord unless you're gonna keep it, because He is not too pleased when you don't. No, I love the contrast, and I love that you were able to figure it out, because um, a lot of people repeat what was familiar to them, and you chose not to do that. But before all of that, you had been in some pretty dark places. So you had been uh, forcibly removed by the state from your home. You had been put into an orphanage uh, from which you escaped. You lived on the streets for a while. You were in juvenile uh, detention. You were in uh, correctional facilities and eventually state penitentiary. So you had, you got a degree from the School of Hard Knocks. Things were hard for you for a really long time. Uh, would you like to address any of that? Or, or now that we've kind of watched through the timeline, do you want to talk about when that moment of transformation came? Well, uh, transformation came, I think it, it began uh, the moment uh, I accepted the Lord. I had no idea what this meant because there was no earth shaking or anything, uh, no dancing, no emotional highs or anything. I I didn't know. Uh, All I knew, but I knew deep in my heart, the word of God, uh, the Bible is the inerrant word of God. But uh, yes, uh, just a quick uh, synopsis. Uh, I was in the orphanage then eventually uh, I was in juvenile hall where I escaped from there as well. And, uh, Which is a very dramatic story. You're going to have to get the book to believe it. Yes. <laughs> Shameless uh, plug. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And uh, then went to uh, form school. And Gatesville was the uh, place to be. I think it's a state prison now. And uh, after getting out of Gatesville, I escaped from Gatesville, too, and uh, made it all the way to town, which nobody had ever done before. And uh, then uh, when I turned 17, I was accused of stealing a tire. And uh, they this was now a felony because I was 17. And uh, they said that I made bail and went and st- broke in the same tire shop again and stole another tire, which was so silly. I don't know where that came from, but they sent me to prison for two years. Uh, And uh, two years, you can, uh, with what they call the good time system, you could be out in a year. But because of the way they kept me detained and everything, uh, I ended up spending 19 and a half months. And... uh, 
but when I got out of there, it was it was a different world. It sort of transformed overnight. Went from the light hippie hidden in the shadows drug culture to pretty much everybody was doing it, and uh, it was a natural flow for me to start selling drugs and uh, partying and uh, getting in deeper and deeper, and eventually tried heroin, became a heroin addict. Uh, and uh, during a raid on a, a connection, uh, I was arrested and just, I had forgot I even had it in a little piece of aluminum foil, I had heroin in my pocket. And now this was, uh, but back then, uh, I could have been sentenced to uh, up to 12 years in prison. And uh, I had been on this grind for a long time. I had had hepatitis. I uh, had uh, connections, uh, drug connections, shot and killed while they were going to score drugs for me. Uh, I've been shot at twice by police, uh, but never hit, uh, fortunately. And one of those is mentioned in the book. And uh, I, I didn't know much about church. Uh, we went to my grandmother's church, uh, I don't know, not very many times uh, when I was young growing up because my father would go to her when he needed something. And she had this way, if it was so boring that you would fall asleep and she would grab and pinch you and twist it to wake you up. <laughs> But uh, the only church I really knew about was, and I won't mention the name, uh, but was where my little brother had got married at. And um, he was shot and killed. Uh, I never did find out by who, but uh, he had got married and uh, his wife uh, who had just had a young son was killed in a car wreck. I got a call Friday night saying she had been killed in a car wreck. And then I got a call the next night saying he had been killed. Mm. So uh, it was almost too much to bear at the time for a young man. But I went to that church and, uh, and I had long hair down to about my waist. And uh, I went in and, I, I had, uh, you know, bought some church clothes, as we called it back in the day. Right. And uh, uh, I kept looking, and the church was starting, and I was going down the main aisle, and I didn't want to go in the middle seats. So I finally found a, a seat down at the end, uh, closer to the front, and got in. And long story short, it's all documented a little more in depth in the book, but I went down uh, for prayer uh, after they called for anybody that needed prayer to come down. And uh, I told the man that uh, I was an ex-heroin addict, an ex-con, and got busted for heroin again. This is pretty much my words. And uh, I said, I wanted God to do a miracle that I didn't have to go back to prison. And he threw me out of church. Wow. He told me to get out of there, don't come back. Wow. Until I went and paid my debt to society. And um, 
there's some very interesting things that happen after that. Uh, but uh, without going into detail, uh, God shortly after that made me a promise that I'd never go back to prison. And that was nearly 50 years ago. Good. Well, George, it sounds rather than a walk with the living God, it sounds like a run with the wild devil. And what a scary ride it has been so far. Listeners, hang on. You will hear more of the story when we come back from our break with our guest today, George Matthews. I hope you're enjoying George's story today. It means a lot to us to be able to introduce you to interesting guests and share conversations about facing and overcoming life's challenges. If you know someone who has survived childhood trauma, someone who has suffered abuse, hurt, fear, shame, or rejection, someone who has been imprisoned or trapped in addictions or circumstances where there seemed to be no way out, remind them that there is hope if they have the faith to believe. Share this podcast or those of any of our previous guests, like Karen Clark, the baker, or Dale Sims, the author, or Becky Reif, the social media influencer, who overcame personal childhood trauma and became leaders who are making a difference in the lives of many people today. You can hear their stories and read about them in my blogs when you visit the archives on our site at nis.media. While you're there, sign up for our weekly newsletter and monthly Bible study. Visit our authors page and check out the causes we're supporting, like Londa Knack's Cat Crew and JJ Orsek's NeuroFit Gym. JJ's NeuroFit Foundation Bowling Tournament is happening next weekend, August 6th, but there's still time to register yourself or your team, so hurry. Finally, as always, we invite you to rate and review our show. That increases our visibility so that others can find us to receive weekly encouragement, inspiration, and hope. We've only begun to scratch the surface of George's amazing story, so let's get right back to it. Right, we are back from our break with our guest today, George Matthews. So, George, we left off at kind of a cliffhanger spot where your life was really spiraling out of control, and then God stepped in. It became not so much a run with the devil, but a walk with the living God. Tell us some more about that transformational work. Well, as I said earlier, uh, I made a vow to the Lord to read His Word, and I, I the more I read it, uh, just one little. Uh, funny story, sort of, in Ephesians 4.28, uh, as I was reading, it says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor so that he may have something to share with anyone who is in need. And I went, wow, I never thought of that. It never dawned on me to stop stealing, you know, but instantly, right then, I, I was cleansed of that. And uh, from uh, daily reading the word and Proverbs, they call the wisdom chapter. And uh, you can read one 
a day. And if you lose a few days, you can always, whatever date it is, the 10th, you read chapter 10. And, and I studied those. I've read those over 300 times. And uh, just God's word, uh, reading in David's life and, and then in Paul's life and in Joseph's life, the uh, these people were traumatized too. But it was the power of God that changed their lives. And uh, one of the biggest uh, transformations is when I was released, and I may be jumping ahead a little bit, from jail after uh, they had, uh, they, let me back up a second. They sentenced me to three years for the heroin charge. I thought I was getting probation, uh, and they sentenced me to three years. And uh, eventually, uh, that was uh, the arrest warrant to pick me up. They let me out while the lawyer appealed it, which then he died and he didn't appeal anything. And uh, while I was out on appeal, somehow uh, the warrant got lost. And that's in the book. I'm not going to give that away. Uh, but for 11 years, I, I was out and uh, walking with the Lord and everything. And uh, eventually, that warrant was discovered, and they came and picked me up because I was living in the open. And they put me in jail. And when uh, uh, again, all of this is in the book, and I'm skipping around. I don't want to give too much away, but. Uh, I want people to enjoy the read as well and the suspense of everything. And uh, when I got out, uh, everybody knew me. I was pretty well known in the singles department because I wasn't flamboyant, but I had a Corvette and, you know, uh, making money and things like that. So pretty much everyone knew me. And, and a lot of people in the church knew me. And, uh, here I was exposed uh, with uh, this heroin conviction, prison. Uh, it was pretty much well known in all of the singles department. Uh, but uh, many people in church, uh, again, there were people that were spreading, you know, lies about my arrest and stuff at the time. When I got out uh, and, and there was a, a dramatic repentance uh, that sent me, actually exposed me and sent me to jail on that warrant. Uh, but when I got out, I, I, I got dressed for church and I went in the back door and I stood there trying to catch my breath. And I thought, I don't know if I can do this or not. And the Spirit of the Lord just spoke calmly to me, said, don't be afraid to show them all the love that I have for you. And I walked through that door, went in. I, I mean, it was like almost like a giant eraser, erased everything from my mind. That being in jail, that uh, sentence that was still hanging over my head, three years going to prison, uh, no condemnation, no shame, no guilt. Uh, I walked in and, and forgot it all. 
during that time, uh, as I had met my wife at church, and uh, we, uh, they didn't know my past. No, no one did. It, it's amazing that God slowly walked me out of this. I, I was, uh, again, that discernment. I kept my mouth shut, uh, and I did give testimonies all over the place, uh, but no one really knew the entirety of my past. And uh, God just, with his word, slowly washed away over a period of a few years, just began to wash everything away. I turned my back on the old life. Uh, there, there was some temptations, uh, but I turned my back on it. I, I, I kept my eyes on the Lord. The, I can't explain how uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's something that a, a person has to experience themselves. And uh, so when I when I wrote this book, I realized this this is not my book. This this life that I had, and I'm I'm at the age now where I can look and go, you know, Lord, thank you, thank you for that because it brought me here with you. It it brought me to know you a little better, and it set up. Uh, a, a walk in my life. I knew 20 years ago that I would probably write a book, and I knew the the title of the book back then, A Walk with the Living God. Well, I love that God has transformed your life and that you've been walking with him for a good long time. Who was brave enough to put a Bible in your hands? Who did that? And why did you feel compelled to read it? Uh, the 700 Club uh Pat Robertson is how I got saved early on when Pat had long hair. Uh, I, I, I was at my mother's house. I was on uh, pass from uh, the drug program that I was in, and uh, I was bored. There was nothing to do, no drugs around, anything, and I turned it on, and he asked if you wanted to uh, accept Jesus. Well, the Lord had been chasing me for two or three, four years at that time. But that was the first time I heard the word preach. And I, I don't remember what the sermon was, but I remember praying the prayer. And uh, probably uh, when I went into the drug program, it was called Pulpit in the Shadows at the time. It's been shut down. It was started by an evangelist. And uh, every night you had to go to chapel, every night. No option unless you were... Uh, kicking a drug habit or something. And uh, that helped uh, there too, because you heard the word. They had uh, local people that come in from different churches all over the place. Uh, but God's Holy Spirit leading and guiding me, uh, listening to that uh, still small voice in the back of you uh, saying, this is the way walk ye in it. And, uh, that that that's the reason it was a walk. This this wasn't a sprint. It wasn't uh, a marathon. It was a walk, a a slow walk, that I'm still being transformed. And uh, 
so grateful uh, for the people God has put in my life, uh, for his word, for his Holy Spirit, for the joy and the blessing of uh, being uh, like, uh, uh, oh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17 says that old things will pass away and all things will become new. And they did. They, it, it, it was like when, you, when you're throwing a football and you pass that football, it doesn't instantly go into the receiver's hand. Uh, he's got to keep his eye on the ball and, and he's got to move left or right or back up a little bit or whatever to be in the right place to catch that ball. And, and this is the way God led me. He, you know, all the things passed away and, and, and things become new. I love that. Well, let's do a couple of quick hitters here. Um, so you had a very poor reception when you went to church for help. What advice would you give to churches to help people like you were? Well, uh, people like me, we come to church uh, with our grave clothes on, so to speak. And we've got this old dead man that doesn't know how to act. Uh, now, I kept my mouth shut, but I, I saw a lot of people that came in and uh, were very brash, male and female, and people rejected them right away. Uh, and you just got to love people. You, the church, we're in the last days, and the church, this is our last go-round to get people saved. And if you throw them out of church, love on them, understand them, don't be too nosy. You know, if they want to share something, if, if they ask for something, and, and don't spread their business as if you were doing a prayer request. Uh, so you, you don't gossip about people's prayer requests. You love on them. You, you preach the word of God. You don't preach what you think is relevant. Uh, if you preach the word, uh, let the word of God do it. You, you, don't, you don't have to preach at anybody. Uh, the word of God will do his work. His, his word will not return void, the, the Bible says. So you have also been hurt at church and you didn't give up. Talk to people who have been hurt at church. You've got to uh, forgive. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've taught my, my children uh, and continue to teach when I can, uh, Peter went up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, he said, you know, how many times I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times in a day? And Jesus said, no. 70 times seven, uh, forgive. And, and if you can't forgive, uh, but you got to forgive. And if you can't forgive, uh, the pain, the hurt is too much. And you got to go to the Lord and ask him. He, he answered, he has not, I can't think of a prayer over the probably close to 50 years now that I've been walking with the Lord uh, that he hasn't answered. Yeah, it's some of it's yes, some of it's no, and some of it's wait. 
but he's answered every prayer. Well, um, that has been such an exciting testimony. And I know that you wrote this book for people that were in places just like you, people that were running from God and calling them to walk with God for prisoners and for addicts and for people that are hurting. Why was it important for you to tell your story? Well, because I have been set free. I have been cleansed. I've been made new. And with time running short, people need to hear the gospel. This is not just my story. We've went in and, and put scriptures under each uh, subsection, I should say, uh, backing up what had happened and, and how God delivered me through those. And if you're in prison, and, and I've heard many testimonies over the years of prisoners that had a life sentence they accepted the Lord, got saved, something happened, and you know they ended up getting paroled or whatever. Uh, and it's because of the Word of God. Uh, and some won't, but they'll be set free spiritually. Plus, this is salvation. Uh, it's a, a simple prayer, simple prayer, uh, like the thief on the cross. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Okay, today you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, I, I try to leave everybody that I witness to with a simple prayer. Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Come into my life and save me. The scripture says that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not will be, not may be, but shall be saved. Yep. I love that. So when God gave you that promise about not being in prison anymore, I think maybe he meant you wouldn't be in prison to unforgiveness because that has certainly set you free. You could have been eternally wounded by the harms that you suffered at your father's hands and at uh, the hands of people who may have had good intentions toward you but didn't know how to administer them. And certainly by churches and by people, business partners who uh, took advantage of you, but you've learned to let it go. And that... Um, being in a prison of unforgiveness is even worse than being in a prison behind bars um, because there's no hope of freedom. And so thank you for writing this book. Tell people where they can get a hold of it. Well, we have a website set up. It's a walk with the living God. Just spell it out, a walk with the living God.com. And uh, there's uh, two options on that website. One, you can order a paperback and we'll mail it to you. Or there's an instant download with an ebook uh, that you can get that away. And you said that sometimes you have been invited to give your testimony. Are there um, is there a way for people to get in touch with you to ask you to come and speak at their events? Yes, there's uh, uh, also an email at the top of the page on each of the pages on the website. Uh, you can email and. Uh, We'll uh, do our best to make arrangements to uh, accommodate you. Okay. Um, Listeners, we'll have that information for you in our show notes and on our website as well. Uh, George, as we close out our show today, is there anything you'd like others to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? I'd like to see them uh, understand, see and understand that this is not about me. this This is about a guy that God knew God kept his hand on me through very traumatic events in my life. And back in the day, where I learned to uh, uh, pray in Jesus' name 
was way back in the day, the Houston Chronicle, the major newspaper here, had a prayer on the front page. And you every day you got the paper, it had a prayer there and ended up in praying in Jesus' name. But that's where I learned to pray in Jesus' name. Even before I was saved, I called on the Lord many times. I called on the name of the Lord. He 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 saved me out of many situations. But as soon as I, I would promise him, Lord, you get me out of this jam, and I promise I'll never do anything else again. And as soon as I got out of that jam, I would forget that promise. But God didn't forget. He didn't forget me when I forgot him. And I love that uh, one of the themes that uh, recurs in your book is that even though you didn't know it, God was walking with you the whole time and that uh, he, he was aware of your situation. He saw you and uh, was protecting you and providing for you in that time. So what an, an amazing story, a story of uh, that's difficult to read, but has a wonderful, happy ending. And George, it's been an honor to have you as a guest on our show today. And I look forward to future conversations with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, and listeners, we'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.